Welcome to Appalachian Shine, the official podcast for the Foundation for Appalachian Advancement. And if you're listening to this, then consider yourself a part of the team. Stick around and let's shine a light on all things Appalachia. Today is September 21st, 2021, and did you know on this day in history, in 1780, was the uh, the day we all get the uh, Benedict Arnold um, story. Benedict Arnold was a traitor to the United States during the Revolutionary War, and it was this day in history in 1780 that he met with the British secretly to try to hand over West Point to the British. Um, fortunately, that that plan was foiled. Uh, he was going to get a lot of uh, money and land for his uh, treason. But, you know, it's it's ironic that uh, you know, I'm doing this particular podcast this day when it comes to uh, treason, because I was going to talk a little bit about uh, some really, really interesting history going back into the 1930s and 19, early to mid-1940s. Central Appalachia was covered with spies. Now, we all maybe know about the famous uh, Rosenberg spy case uh, as they committed treason against the United States. But I wanted to talk about one particular individual that uh, has a connection to Oak Ridge and the Manhattan Project. Alfred Dean Slack. He was born in 1906. And he worked at the Eastman Kodak Company in Rochester, New York, where he first sold, I guess, uh, a lot of commercial information to a guy by the name of Richard Briggs. Now, when he was selling this top-secret company information from Eastman Kodak, he was thinking it was just going to a competitor. But later on, he actually learned that that information was going to the Soviet Union. Now, later, after Richard Briggs' sudden death, Slack was handed off to a couple of other Soviet agents, uh, to a guy... Uh, named Harry Gold. And at that point, Harry Gold became the, the courier of the information that Alfred Dean Slack was providing for the Soviets. Now, Harry Gold, he was actually born in 1911 and then died in uh, 1972. He was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, to Russian Jewish immigrants. By 1940, he was actually recruited to be a Soviet agent, and he was assigned the code name Gus or Goose. Now, this this is where it gets kind of really interesting. Um, you know, you've always heard of these stories about, you know, maybe the spy lived next door. Interesting movies, you know, spy books. I've read a million of these, but um, you know, this guy. Uh, Slack, he said, he, uh, he had a farm, I guess this guy who uh, was researching and actually had a farm, his family had a farm in uh, Webster, New York, 
It's just outside of Rochester. And the family had stayed in the family for over a century. And from time to time, this guy, uh, Mike, uh, would hear stories. Mike Finn uh, was the guy's name. From time to time, he would hear stories about the spy who lived next door in the late 1930s and early 40s, and who later had moved to Oak Ridge, Tennessee. And, of course, the family mentioned the name Harry Gold, so that name was passed down. Uh, so uh, there was a biography of Harry Gold that was written by a guy by the name of Alan Hornblum of Yale University Press. And he wrote this uh, about 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Um, it didn't mention the town specifically, but it did indicate that Alfred Dean Slack worked with Kodak and lived on a farm nearby. So Alfred Dean Slack, um, you know, was you know it was verified that he was there. Harry Gold visited him at the farm, according to this book. So the fact that this guy had uh, had pointed out, you know, that and previous articles that yeah his family had heard of this um you know it, it, the story checks out now let's jump forward a little bit in 1950 a guy by the name of klaus fuchs was arrested in england and he identified this guy harry gold as the courier that he used to use to pass information to the russians now that may have been a very damaging act. Gold admitted that he had helped Fuchs pass information about the Manhattan Project to the Russians. Uh, Gold's confession also led uh, to the arrest of a guy by the name of David Greenglass, and uh, as well as the arrest and the trial and the execution of, like I mentioned, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. Now, after Slack had spent time in New York, he later worked for Tennessee Eastman at the Holston Ordnance Works, just over in Kingsport, Tennessee. Now, before going to Oak Ridge, that was before he went to Oak Ridge to work uh, there. Now, for those who don't know, I mentioned the Manhattan Project. This was a project that was in the, so those of you who may not know, a lot of our listeners obviously know what, what probably know what this is. But the Manhattan Project was a top secret government project where we were building our nuclear weapons. So this is a nuclear weapons program. And they called it the Manhattan Project so that Nazi spies would be drawn to New York to look for this instead of little Oak Ridge, Tennessee in the middle of central Appalachia. But nonetheless, once it was out, spies from all over the place were here. And the fact that the Russians, even though we were allies with them at the time in World War II against the Nazis, the fact that they were here kind of was a precursor to the Cold War. So they, they knew that they were going to have an enemy in the United States um, because they were a communist nation, and, and we, we aren't. So uh, it was there in Oak Ridge that Gold pressured Alfred Dean Slack to uh, provide him more information. Told them that if he didn't continue to give information, he was going to expose the fact that he was a spy and committing treason and let people know that he had already shared information with the with the uh, Soviets. So Slack continued to provide gold with information uh, on uh, what was called Compound D that was used in World War II. And Compound D is actually, I think it's an explosive, and it's called RDX is another name for it. That's more powerful than TNT. So this information 
help spread the knowledge about the most powerful explosives at the time that, that had ever existed in the world. So he was giving that information over to the Soviets. This was even before the Cold War. Now, even though there's not a lot of proof about specific information he may have given the Soviets about Oak Ridge, Harry Gold was still a key connect, uh, connection with a lot of spies in the region that would have known the importance of Oak Ridge during the Manhattan Project. So he was, uh, Slack was included by the FBI in this broad, uh, what they call the Rosenberg Network. So all these spies that were found operating in this region were put under that umbrella of the Rosenberg Network of Soviet spies. And this actually came out in a really interesting book you might want to check out by uh, Robert Lamphere and Tom Shackman. It's called FBI KGB War, a special agent story. Um, so Slack and Gold very well may have been involved in providing really detailed information, um, you know, than uh, just these incidents before he even came to uh, Oak Ridge. So after Fuchs was arrested in England in February 1950, as we jump back to him, he implicated Gold as his courier, like I said. That information was passed to the FBI, and when the FBI went and uh, they searched Gold's home, they found a map of New Mexico in his belongings. Now, how interesting is that? Uh, he claimed he had never been west of the Mississippi River, but when the map showed up, he admitted he was lying, and from that point on, uh, he actually was just relieved to start spilling facts and get the whole situation out in the open, according to this book by Lamphere and Shackman. Um, so he helped the FBI locate a lot of other spies by telling them all the details that he could remember about the people uh, who were giving him secret information and uh, what was in those documents. During interrogation though, with, uh, with the FBI, uh, Gold included Slack as someone he had uh, met and uh, someone he had worked as a courier for, and his Soviet connections. So, Gold was the person who gave the names of, if not maybe all of the spies, uncovered in 1950. Um, however, um, there was a one big major spy that was not uh, listed in that Rosenberg network, and that kind of made the FBI think that he was operating independently, or, may, uh, or the other spy was maybe operating independently and not an official spy. But anyway, Slack was tried before a judge in Greenville, Tennessee, sentenced to 15 years in prison. He was 44 at the time, and uh, he, was in, he was indicted on uh, September 1st of 1950. And uh, he was no longer at Oak Ridge, but was in Syracuse, New York, when arrested. And Judge Taylor made an unusual observation about Slack. He noted uh, that the uh, information that he provided to the Russia, that the Russians uh, was done with the United States uh, and Russia, you know, again, were allies. So Slack was being tried when the two countries were no longer allies. So that kind of, I guess, caused a little bit of a problem and a lot of debate. He was helping out an ally at the time by giving away top secret information, but it wasn't long until after the war that they became an enemy, and when he was being tried, we were in the, you know, starting of the Cold War. So, should he have been tried for treason or not? Um, anyway, at the time, there was, you know, the recent explosion of atomic weapons by Russia, 
as they were testing weapons, really kind of heightened the mood and the sensitivity at the time in the U.S. and really, really started to uh, uh, separate, you know, put that wedge between the United States and Russia and really put a lot of fear out there, the Red Scare, as as uh, some would call it. Um, the fact that the Russians were even able to make a weapon, a, you know, an A-bomb, was because of the spies being tried in the 50s. So the Cold War really influenced the trial outcome for Slack. Uh, so Slack was living in New York and Syracuse and working as a chemist in a paint manufacturing company when he was quite, when he was first questioned, uh, because at that point, that's when gold would turn him in. He was charged with two counts of providing information uh, to gold. And Slack later uh, tried to have the court vacate his sentence by claiming his constitutional rights had been infringed. Uh, the trial court denied the motion. Um, however, on appeal, the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, at the request of the U.S. Attorney General, reversed the trial court and remanded the case to the district court for hearing. That's when uh, Slack contended his court-appointed attorneys didn't properly advise him and represent him. And uh, they didn't really give him the interpretation of the Espionage Act and those laws that he had violated. Um, so Slack claimed that the case that that was the case with the RDX explosive information. So after a hearing, the appeals court agreed with the trial court, as did the U.S. Supreme Court, de declaring that his contention was a concocted afterthought. So you know, it's amazing that we have you know. Two spies are known to have worked in Oak Ridge during the Manhattan Project, Koval and Slack. Uh, Koval, by far, was the most significant. Um, having been born a U.S. citizen, uh, educated in Russia, and recruited by the main intelligence directorate there, uh, Koval really had a deep penetration to the Manhattan Project uh, at Oak Ridge, and especially at Dayton, Ohio. And uh, that information remained undisclosed for over 50 years. Um, it is really amazing that, you know, when you look back um, at the history of this nation when it comes to the Cold War and, uh, you know, all that entails, just the fact that we had so many spies right here in this region. You thought they would have been mostly Nazi spies at that point, but no, Russians. And it makes you wonder how many... Uh, continue to operate in the region well after the Manhattan Project because they were probably going to be looking for the next top secret place some of the employees there might have been going to next. Really interesting history. And uh, considering this day in history, <laughs> um, I wanted to share this with you. Uh, I thought it would be quite an interesting uh, uh, episode here to talk about espionage here in central Appalachia. It's not a topic that's often discussed. Uh, you might have heard it on a podcast or two, an occasional article here or there. But nonetheless, that is part of Appalachian history, as the Manhattan Project to develop the first nuclear weapon was done right in central Appalachia in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. And if you haven't had an opportunity to drive through that part of Tennessee, then uh, I certainly uh, encourage you to do so. It's a beautiful country. And this time of year, as you know, we're entering into fall, the leaves are starting to change. Uh, what better time to take a short road trip a little bit past Kingsport to, to Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and just uh, think of the history, the rich history that permeates this place that we call home.
Well, thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Appalachian Shine. Uh, hopefully, I know the information was kind of kind of presented roughly. I was kind of just going on the fly here today with uh, after reading a couple of articles, but I thought it was quite fascinating. Certainly fascinating history. Thanks again. Visit us online at uh, facebook.com forward slash support Appalachia, and uh, you can visit us at supportappalachia.org. We'd certainly appreciate uh, your support and sharing that. Maybe even a $5, $10 donation would be greatly appreciated. You can do that online. And also, uh, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. If you're listening to us on the internet, on Podbean, you can certainly pick us up on iTunes and Spotify on your smartphone. Uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button and uh, share that with your friends and family. And until next time, which will be again fairly soon, uh, we will see you down the road.